Your mental health is your dopest self But you don't have to tend to it by yourself Get a tribe, get inspired, then you'll get ahead Get someone to talk to, don't keep it bottled in You're beautifully human, you should remember this So it's okay for you to feel emotions At times we all need to clear our heads And when you do, just holler at Therapy by May Welcome back to the Perinatal Podcast. This week, we have Heidi Mills, who is a certified birth doula and owner of Block Births LLC. Throughout her career as a birth doula, Heidi has focused on attending hospital births and learning different ways to support clients physically and emotionally in higher intervention birth settings. Her organization has expanded with other doulas on board, and their mission is to make birth and postpartum doula support more approachable and accessible to families within the Kansas City community. Heidi, welcome to the Perinatal Podcast. Hey, Meg. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. What a joy. What a treat. So, Heidi, I always like to start off, how do we know each other? Well, I thought, like, where did we originally meet? Like, on social media first? Probably Uh, told you on social media first. And then the first time we probably saw each other in person was probably that postpartum professional event from OB. You got it. That's right. Yes. Yes. And it is so interesting. Uh, Everyone who listens to the show, or maybe this is your first time and welcome, knows the story. We moved here in March of 2020. I'm just never see people in real life, but also because of social media, I've been able to build relationships with people in a really impactful and meaningful way. And then also you see them in person for the first time and you're like, oh my gosh, hi, we've never yes. ever, but this is the first time sharing oxygen. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. And I became a do, I launched my business in 2020 also. So it's uh-huh. very similar. That's really how I even got my business off the ground and started making connections was just through Instagram. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And it, the ups and downs of social media, but some of them are very, very wonderful. So, so yes. So great. Yeah. And we met physically at, there was a beautiful fourth trimester professionals mm-hmm. gathering here in the greater Kansas city area. And it's really nice to see. Um, I know obviously there are people from all over the world who listen to this show, but it's nice to be able to see the connection and the support that we have um, in the perinatal space here in, in Kansas city. So yay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Everybody's very collaborative here in Kansas city, very, yes. um, non-competitive, which is really nice, especially as an entrepreneur to have other people to talk to and bounce yes. ideas off of and things like that. Yes. Yes. We work in abundance, not competition mm-hmm. in the space. I feel pretty, pretty well. So that's nice. So I was realizing uh, in my last episode, I was speaking with an embryologist, Victoria Wigley from the UK, and she's fabulous. And I was realizing, I was like, you know, I sometimes jump into conversations with people, assuming that people know what the topic is. And so at some point in the middle of my conversation, I was like, Victoria, wait, could you please just like give me an explanation of what is the difference between IVF and IUI? Like, let us all be able to know. So I'd love to just start with what is a doula? Yes, which actually like is interesting because people within, you know, this space know what a doula is, but like outside of really like the the birth and postpartum support stage, even some people who are pregnant have no idea what a doula is or how they differ from a midwife, especially a lot of times doulas and midwives get lumped in together, even Mm -hmm. on social media all the time I hear, well, I'm not going with a doula, I'm going with an OB. And I'm like, those are not two different things. Those are, yes, yes. Um, anyways, um, you don't pick one or the other. Uh, so a doula is a physical and emotional support person that you personally hire to support you throughout your pregnancy and birth and also can be postpartum experience. So we, we work in physical and emotional well-being, but also, um, informational, helping you get connected with local resources that you, need helping you find the right OB or midwife for your needs, things like that. Um, And then also just support for you and your family to help you just navigate what can be a complex and sometimes intimidating system, especially inside of the United States. Yes. (laughs) That is birth and pregnancy and postpartum and all of those things. Um, And so we also just, I like to kind of describe it as like, where you're like, 
friend because you pick somebody that you like get along with and like things like that like because it's a personal hire it's not like when you go to the hospital to give birth you kind of just get whatever nurse or whatever ob is on call you're really hiring somebody to be with you from the beginning to the end of your journey and um but we just know a lot about birth and a lot about your options and can kind of help navigate you through that now the difference between us and maybe a midwife or an obstetrician is that we do not do anything inside of the medical world so we do not give medical advice we do not do any sort of medical procedures um that's we did not go to any sort of medical school that's really your midwife or your ob and then midwives they're they do things very similarly to to an OB of like being able to navigate a, a normal birth experience. They just don't usually do high risk birth or they also don't do surgery like an obstetrician would be able to do a C-section or something like that. Sure. Wow. Thank you so much for concisely sharing that. Cause I remember watching a TV show and these people were, one was being a midwife and one was being a doula and they didn't really describe the different, this was over a decade ago. I think I was so dreadful. Yeah. And I was just like, Okay, to the Googles, because I don't <laughs> I don't know if everybody does know. So it's really good to know and what services that you do provide. So how did you decide that doula that that was the path for you? Yeah, that's um a good question. So I think a lot of doulas get into birth work through like their own birth experiences. And that was not at all my experience. So I kind of had a little bit of an interesting path to, mm. to birth work. I um, was a newborn nanny throughout college. So I was working with newborns and I went through, um, a pregnancy experience with one of my clients. Like I was nannying for their other kids and then they got pregnant again. And I was, yeah. I was going through that and it was a high risk pregnancy and really just seeing everything that they went through, trying to like navigate the system and just being there every day. And even just their experiences with their family and everything and trying to explain things. And then just everybody's opinions coming at them all the time just really made me realize the lack of like, really that hands-on support the medical system gives to families and parents experiencing these complex situations and not, and not just complex situations, but also just regular birth experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on, they were a very affluent family, obviously affluent enough to have a newborn nanny, um, work full time for them. And I right. just started thinking like, how much more do all these other families in my community have a hard time navigating these experiences? If families who have the money to pay for really any resources that are available to them, um, right still are having this difficult time navigating this complex system and feeling like they don't have like the, that really like emotional support throughout the experience. Mm -hmm. So I started dabbling in some volunteer work, working at uh, like a resource center, just um, helping get like low income families hooked up with like insurance and housing and stuff who were pregnant or had young kids. Uh, and I did that for quite a few years as I was going through business school. And I really thought that I would, I got a business degree with a minor in like nonprofit management. And I thought I was going to go into nonprofit work hey. uh, with what, yeah, with what I was kind of doing with my volunteer work. I kind of wanted to go to work with like family resources and stuff and then um, graduated a few months into the pandemic spring 2020 and was just not feeling like aligned with like putting I had a one-year-old at this point uh -huh. um, I was not feeling super aligned with like putting her in like a full-time childcare setting at that point to go to work full-time so um, my husband suggested that I get my dual certification he was like just for fun to like pass the time you know because you're kind of like home right now with your with our one-year-old and I was like I would never want to be a doula and he was like well you don't have to be a doula but it might be like a good thing to add to like your resume and I just always throughout my birth experience with my daughter I just really saw um doulas as somebody who like only worked in like this like holistic you know in the parenting community we call it like crunchy birth world and um not that there's anything wrong with that but it wasn't yeah. necessarily what like aligned with like me as a person and my values when it came to parenting yeah. um I have some crunchy tendencies but like I'm I had a hospital birth like I like am very much not like super into that world and my husband said to me and like this just sticks out because it's like literally for my whole entire career he was like 
like, well, you can be a doula however you want to be. Like you can be whoever, whoever you want to be. And then just like find those clients. And I just felt like, well, there's not like a market for that. Like there's not a, yeah. as a business person, I was like, there's not a market for um, doulas outside of the crunchy community. And, but once I started just doing my certification, like learning everything that doulas had to offer outside of just assisting with like, um, pain support and stuff and like an unmedicated birth, uh, I really changed my tune and felt like, wow, there is so much that doulas can be offering that I feel like they're not offering into the community of, they really are that person to sit between, um, the, the doctor and the medical community and the person giving birth, like really that person to help facilitate those resources and even for low-income people to help know what resources are within their community and things like that. So I ended up finding, founding my company block births, um, um, at, in 2020, after I finished my dual certification, decided to go full force and trying to market to kind of a different clientele who might be looking for birth support. Uh, and I have a scholarship fund. So 10% of everything I make goes into my scholarship fund. And that way I'm able to kind of also help, you know, the things I'm passionate about, like helping people who are lower income have access to dual support and have access to somebody who knows about those resources within their community. And it's been a great journey so far. I've, you know, I found that once I started, there really was that market there. It just wasn't being like tapped into. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I love how you mentioned that a lot of people come into perinatal support whatever that looks like through their own experiences. And that was certainly my case with my fertility struggles and pregnancy losses. Uh, I was like, it just makes the most sense for me at this time. That's where I'm going to focus. And so it's nice to hear. It's like, oh, interesting. So another way to find into that and being able to say how much I continue to learn that I think that I know so much about perinatal. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't know that was a thing. You can do that. And And so it's really nice that we just, the whole point of this podcast is to share information about perinatal experiences and services and opportunities and support. So that's really great to hear. I'm a, I love hearing that story. Tell me. And of course my two, my two births have made me more and more passionate about the whole experience. Uh, Of course. Um, But my daughter had colic and that was very hard to navigate and all those things. And um, yeah, so it's made me more and more passionate. I had a really um, difficult pregnancy with my second pregnancy and I was already a doula at that point. And so more and more passionate, the more I get deeper and deeper into, into parenthood and the more people I interact with inside of the birth space. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's interesting. My, my firstborn, my son had colic as well. And it was an experience. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was curious if you could tell me some more about like some of the misconceptions about doula work, um, things. I don't know. That's probably the end of the question. What are some of the biggest misconceptions or the things that we want to make sure that we understand more appropriately about it? Yeah. So two biggest misconceptions, one I kind of already tapped, tapped into a little bit is that they only support unmedicated births, um, home birth, birth center births, things like that. And I, and I had that misconception going into doula work. And I think that the reason for that is that that is a lot of times what doulas are marketing towards with their social media content, with their websites, things like that. But really once I got into the birth space and started meeting so many other doulas and, and working with them as, you know, having backup doulas and things like that, I really realized that most doulas, whether they're marketing towards one genre or another are supporting all different types of birth and are really good at supporting all different types of birth. I also think social media has just inflamed this narrative because you see a lot of people posting on social media who might not actually be the doulas who are practicing within your community, but have inflamed opinions about the medical, about medical practices and all these things. And it kind of skews your understanding of what real doulas who have a business who are practicing, you know, full-time doulas inside of your community are actually providing, you know, much different type of care than maybe those people who have a large social media followings because they say inflammatory things. Um, yeah. And so I think that there's this big misconception that dual care is only for this one type of birth and really not not just because I've developed my practice around that, but really a lot of the duels within the community are really well-versed on how to help you navigate getting an epidural, getting pain medication, needing a C-section, needing an induction. And I think a lot more people could really benefit from doula care if they, if they knew that they weren't going to be judged for, for, 
for picking different interventions, whether they use a mm. doula or not. Um, on top of that, the second thing is that um, there's a misconception that doulas are going to try to skew, um, you know, medical, like give you medical advice um, out, outside of their, of their, um, outside of their role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and outside of what your OB or your midwife might be suggesting. Uh Um, and you know, if they do that, that is not within their role and you should find another doula. Um, but that is not something that I think lots of doulas are doing. A lot of us are very happy to just be inside of the support role, um, and not be inside of the, of the medical community and the medical advice role. Um, kind of a good, like, test for if your doula is following falling inside of their you know kind of practice guidelines and what they're what they're allowed to do is they should be giving you conversation pieces and questions to bring to your medical care provider if you have questions about like a medical thing like say your doctor um suggested that you get an induction and you're not sure if you want an induction um your doula should not be saying well that's a stupid reason to suggest you need an induction that's not evidence-based or anything like that because your doula does not have your file in front of you in front of them they are not trained and they should not say that this is either an evidence-based or not evidence-based reason for an induction Mm -hmm. instead they should maybe give you questions and ways that you can open up conversation with your provider to find out a better understanding of why they think that you should get an induction of labor for these reasons and then empower them to then take that information and their understanding and make the best decision that is that is right for them in their journey instead of trying to skew them one way or the other because you want them to you think that they should make this or that decision or you think their medical care provider is wrong does that make sense it makes so much sense and I think that that is such a good thing it's a good way of looking at that because the importance of knowing what questions to ask is underrated sometimes Mm-hmm. And so when you've got, I mean, there are things that I think about in my own births and I wasn't specializing perinatal in either of mine. Um, and so there's mountains of things that I've learned since in, in the ensuing years, but the things that I didn't know and the things that I look back and like, wow, I wish that I would have had somebody who has more experience in this to be able to ask those questions, because I have to admit, both of my obstetricians were spectacular, hung the moon. I also appreciate that they're busy and that it's old hat for them. And so when they're like, oh, X and Y are happening, so Z, go. And for me, I'm like, great, I trust you and I do, and right? But it's nice to be able to say like, I can then come to you and say X and Y are happening. What has your experience been in these situations? And then you're able to provide me the opportunity to say like, oh, these are the seven questions that you could ask or, you know, whatever that might look like. And everyone's very individual and different, but you utilizing your wealth of knowledge to be able to help me to feel more educated and empowered to ask questions. Because I think that, I don't, no, I don't think. A lot of times people don't feel empowered to ask questions because we hold providers sometimes in a high space on a pedestal. They know, I don't know. I'm a social worker. I have never delivered a baby yet. What do I know? Right. Yeah. And so it's nice to be able to feel like, because I have had this conversation, I feel equipped to ask these questions succinctly, know what I'm looking for, and then be able to take that information back with me to make an informed decision. Um, or, or you mentioned earlier about, you know, like firing professionals, like maybe that is the opportunity to be able to look into a second opinion or, yeah. So, um, and I, I think, really oh, sorry. Um, no, I, I, think what's really, <laughs> I think what's really interesting as, as a doula, I've probably been to, I don't know, between eight to 10 different hospitals, you know, sure. working and then, you know, numerous different providers inside of those hospital settings yeah. and how when the same situation can arise, different providers think a different thing is best practice. And so yes. I think that what that really brings up for, for you going through the birth experience or whoever's listening is that you, you tend to hold your doctor to a certain standard of like, they're going to make the best decision and the best mm-hmm. decision 
is different for every provider has different practices because birth is not black and white as is most things in life of there is there's different things that we can try and lots of times we're just we're throwing we're trying to make the best decision moving forward but just because they think that's the best decision doesn't mean that you think it's the best decision for your body and you sometimes know your body better than your care provider or what your or what your um, values are and how you're wanting to go about this birth experience so Mm -hmm. like a good example of this is say you know, labor isn't progressing well. And so um, your OB comes in with the hook and is like, let's break your amniotic sac, let's break your water. And in that moment, especially laying on a hospital bed, maybe with an epidural, you just feel like, okay, sure. You know, like you don't, you can't think in that moment of all the different questions that you should be asking because it's overwhelming because it's your birth, it's your body. You're exhausted, you're over you. Yes. You're numb and a bunch of people are just standing over you and you feel like, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do now. Um, And so a doula can really help slow down the situation and be like, you know, to their client, do you have any questions? Do you want, you know, are you curious about this? Are you curious about that? Do you want to ask about, um, these different options to augment labor. Like maybe we start a low drip of Pitocin. Maybe we try some different position changes and then wait an hour and see if something, if something else change, if, if things start progressing and then we can avoid those things, you Mm -hmm. know, help ask those questions just so that you then can, can just open up the conversation with, with your medical care provider, take a pause and get all your different options. So then you can feel whether that decision is to break your water or not, you just feel like, you got an educated, an educated opinion about it. And were able to help actively be a part of that decision-making instead of then, you know, in what I hear a lot of times from like people who hire me for their second or third time births is not that things happen that they didn't want to happen, but they never got the chance to make any sort of informed consensual decision with their care providers. That then looking back, they then learn things about the about the things that were done to them and then think, oh, if I knew this or I knew that, I wouldn't have made that decision. And that's what I never want people to do. I don't care at all if you choose every medical intervention in the book, but what I want you to do is look back and think, I knew about what was the potential risks or benefits of that medical intervention so that I don't have regrets looking back on the decision. I feel confident that I made the right decision during that time for, for my birth. Lovely. That is so interesting of looking at it that way of like, if I'd have known. Yeah. So that, and that's really nice too, that for your practice and your really distinction of, as I end my show every time of being curious, not judgmental, like finding the different options, being aware of what's going on. But at the end of the day, you couldn't care less if you go a hundred percent medical C-section blocks, whatever, blah, 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 or you're doing it at a tub at your house and everything in between. You're just there to make sure that people are having conversations and feeling confident in their choices. Actually, you mentioned that. And I was thinking, um, the question just came to me, how early do you start working with people? And and like in a preparation, is that, what does that look like? I actually hadn't even thought about that until just now. Like how much time do you, in a perfect case scenario, like to spend with somebody ahead of time or generally speaking, how does that look? So really it just depends based on my availability and when people reach out to me. But I always tell people that if you know, you want to work with a doula, hiring somebody early on in your pregnancy it's the same price, but you get a lot more value from them throughout the pregnancy by having somebody throughout all the different points in pregnancy to just be a sounding board, to ask questions, to, to ask for recommendations on different things or um, referrals to different providers that you might need. Uh, So you're really going to get a lot more value if you hire somebody earlier, earlier on in the pregnancy. Now I'd say pretty much by the end of second trimester is when I'm usually booked out for those due dates and when most people start start once we start actively you know working and having meetings more together um Mm -hmm. some people hire me at six weeks pregnant and then they're texting me throughout you know their different appointments and something like this is going on and then also they have that ability if you're earlier on to if you're noticing red flags with your care providers or your hospital setting
setting or whatever that you have like a little bit more flexibility to switch people and get like my thoughts on where it might be a good fit for you based on your needs. Um, but uh, around the end of the second trimester is usually when I do childbirth education with my clients. I am not a childbirth educator, but I have a childbirth educator who is on my team who works with my clients around the end of the second trimester, early third trimester. And then I meet with my clients before 34 weeks of pregnancy to do like a big meeting about just, you know, writing our birth plan and getting to know all the different dual comfort measures and how we're going to support each other um, and just getting to know them really well. And then from there on, really the end of the third trimester is when my clients are texting me a lot. Like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. What can I do for this? What are some different ways? I, everybody always wants to know how to get labor to start. And I'm like, um, a hormonal reaction <laughs> when your body dies and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. Like, uh, well, you know, yeah. The Perinatal Podcast is supported by Mom and Dad, makers of exceedingly comfortable and stylish pumping, nursing, and maternity bras. Specially designed clips and straps allow for easy access to feed your little one. The design is specified to support the extra weight and increased size of your chest as milk starts to build. And the beautiful fabrics and colors are created to help you feel sexy and current. Go to Mominda underscore bras on Instagram, us.mominda.cc for my listeners in the States, and shop.mominda.cc for my international listeners. Use code perinatal for 10% off your entire order of $40 or more. The Perinatal Podcast is supported by Daily Harvest. It's easy to make fruits and vegetables part of your daily routine with Daily Harvest. Delicious, chef-crafted foods delivered to your door and ready in minutes. I'm a busy mama who admittedly doesn't always make getting my daily veggies a priority, so Daily Harvest has taken a lot of that work off my plate. Organic, nourishing, clean foods with no artificial anything, ready to go in minutes, it's a no-brainer. Use code PERINATAL at checkout for $40 off your first box. Yeah. And then from 37 weeks on, we are like 24 seven on call. Like they can call me day or night if they're starting to have contractions or feeling something or, you know, sometimes a doula is just that, that middle person of like, I've lost my mucus plug and I know I don't need to call my OB about that, but also so like, I just want to tell somebody because it's exciting. Like, so they text me and are like, Heidi, I lost my mucus plug. Yes. Maybe labor's going to start soon. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And then obviously I'm just with them throughout the entirety of the birth experience from whenever they request me until about two hours postpartum, I say. Okay. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's really great. And this is like such a random thing, but you mentioned it. Do you find historically, or is it just that block? that you are, so you have a kind of a, um, a flat rate, like you pay this once, it's not kind of a per session. Is that kind of how doulas generally work? Yeah. Yeah. So our doula package is set up that there's like a flat rate for like birth support. And then if you want to add on childbirth education, and we also, our postpartum doula does a postpartum and newborn class. If you want to add those things, that's like added to the package. Um, and then just kind of like a build your own package kind of thing. So there's like the base package, then you can add different kinds of support options. And then we also have a way to work with us if you don't want birth support. So we have a package, um, where it's our childbirth education plus a meeting with a doula. So kind of just like to prepare you from all aspects and to prepare your partner for the birth experience Mm -hmm. and how to support you through the birth experience. Um, and then our postpartum doula charges hourly. So that's a little bit different, but birth doula is okay. very much like package based. Yeah. And the reason why we do that versus like hourly is I never want people the whole, so a lot of the studies done on doula care, a lot of the benefits of doula care is having a continuous educated support person throughout your whole entire birth experience. So like from beginning to end, because OBs, labor and delivery nurses, all those people change out on like shifts and stuff. And so there's a lot of research to back up that having a continuous support person from the beginning beginning to the end can really help you have better medical outcomes, honestly, like help you and your baby be safer and healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we don't want anybody to think, oh, well, I have to pay Heidi hourly. And so I'm not going to call her yet, or I'm not, or I'm going to be worried about her staying the whole entire time because I have to keep paying her. Um, So sometimes, you know, I'm at a birth for like 24 hours and I feel like, wow, I really didn't get paid that much hourly for this birth. But then other births happen in like three hours and I'm like, oh, I feel bad 
that I overcharged them, but that's just kind of the way that yes. the way that doula care is set up. And I do, I have um, interjected just because I personally have had precipitous births, which are really fast deliveries. And yes. so I personally have just added in my clause that if you either have a planned C-section, because also since I work more in higher intervention settings, I've had quite a few clients have planned C-sections. Um, or if you've if I'm at your birth for less than five hours, I do pay for my postpartum doula to come over for a shift to help support you. So um, hey. kind of include in there so you feel like you got enough value from paying for a doula. And I find that that also helps people who might be having a more high risk birth and might be needing a plan c-section or something feel more comfortable hiring a doula onto their team because they're not um, then going to worry too much about paying my fee and then not getting enough value from it yeah man precipitous births i hear are a super fun experience <laughs> I actually, so my daughter was a pretty fast delivery. My oldest, she was six hours. And so I expected to have a precipitous delivery with my son. And so that was good that I expected it. Whenever I witnessed, whenever my clients have one and they were not expecting it and were also really wanting an epidural, that's a very, yes. um, it can be traumatic in the opposite way. If people think like medical intervention is like usually what causes trauma. No, also having to have an unplanned, unmedicated birth, it can be very traumatic for people. Yes. So really talking people through it um, can, can be a great asset. Yeah. I mean, here I am disclosing how many reality TV shows I watch, I guess. But I remember watching a show where a person was like, absolutely, I'm getting this C-section. And she went in like two or three hours. And they were like, we literally, there's no, we can't, we cannot give you the C-section. So then when she was having her next baby, I mean, the trauma that she was described, she was just constantly talking to her obstetrician about like, how do I get the C-section? I don't want to do that again. How do I obviously, ha ha, how do I prevent another precipitous birth? Mm -hmm. Like it was, it's a real thing. Um, mm -hmm. And we talk, I mean, I've had people on to talk about trauma and I talk about it a lot with clients, the things that happen that make us and that, that stick with us for the next one and, and cause mm -hmm. unease or more. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I've, that, when you described that, I was like, yep, thinking of that person in that show. And you know, she was like, no, thanks again, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. That can definitely happen. I was definitely grateful for my, for my knowledge that it was probably going to happen. And then also my understanding of birth and knowing what I was experiencing really helped a lot me get through the experience. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So tell me more about how you decided to form, to create block birth. So really, like I, like I said, okay. it was, Sorry. it was, what? I said it backward. Block birth, birth block. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. My, my LLC is block birth LLC. Oh, good. I was like, but I, yeah, but I usually like my Instagram is the birth block and stuff, but that's my, yes. that's my like LLC. So it's totally okay. okay good, um, good. Sorry. <laughs> so the, so the thought behind block birth was like a, a block of like people who can come together from kind of all different parenting realms and kind of meet in the, the middle and find, and find, and find birth support. And so that was really my idea behind it of, of thinking behind, you know, I wanted to work in nonprofit world and all of that stuff. And I really tried to just think of how can I make dual care accessible to more people within my community. And like I said, in my intro approachable to people, um, because I'm sorry, I don't know if you need to edit this out. Do you hear my kids? It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Like, it's real, like we're parents. It's real. Okay. Yeah, I'm so I sorry. I did a podcast once and luckily it was just me, but I was doing it on holiday, like stress planning and everything. And I was like, here's the thing. My daughter's homesick and she's down for a nap. And this is the time that I have scheduled. So I might, the episode was like 27 minutes long. I was like, well, here we go. She's up. Bye y'all. Well, they're upstairs at the sitter, but they just got dangerously close to the stairwell from where I'm downstairs and it got really really loud. So I apologize. <laughs> not, not at all. This look, anybody who's over here listening, they're like, go ahead. We, we feel you. Yes, we yes. That, that is a good thing about working in the parenting world. People are understanding. Okay. So anyways, I'll get back to, to how I was on the block while well, all of that stuff. So, um, so really what my approach was is that, you know, statistically, and I'm sure that this number has inflated quite a lot since 20, since the pandemic, but, but pre pandemic only about 6% of people were using utilizing doula care. Oh, and wow. so really when I was just working with these families in the community and in the nonprofit world and, and just as a parent and all this stuff, I really felt like 
doulas are that person to fill in this gap in our incredibly stressed out medical system because our medical system is very stressed out inside of the hospital and i like to voice that to a lot of people is it's not that labor and delivery nurses ob's midwives don't care about you and want you to have a great experience it's that one they're not really trained on the emotional and physical support aspects of birth and Mm then um two they really don't have a lot of time to to be that hands-on support person with you throughout your throughout your delivery and so doulas are really that person to fill in that gap but like i said i found that a lot of people just felt like it was not approachable for them if it didn't align with their parenting values or it was just not accessible to them financially and so that's that was really how i how i came about starting it and then um you know my mission as i had my son like six months after starting my business. So I kind of got off the ground and then, or no, not six months, sorry, a year after I started my business. So I kind of got off the ground and then um, had to take a big, nice long maternity leave. And then coming back from my maternity leave, I was like, I want to add more people onto my team. I felt like my, uh, I was getting a little bit burnt out and tapped out. And that's when I added my childbirth educator and postpartum doula. And then I also have brought on a doula who I'm training right now because I just feel like my services have gotten priced out of a lot of people's budgets. And so I wanted to bring somebody else kind of under me onto my team so I can continue to have that mission of being an accessible Right. accessible dual support option in the Kansas City community. Yes, absolutely. And you're right. Mm-hmm. The system is so stressed. We are also stressed. I would love to find a way to just do everything that I do for free because I would love to have everyone have access. And also I still owe $30,000 on my grad school loans. So a hundred percent. Yes. And it really is for me that balance of, um, of trying to figure out, you know, how do I make things accessible, but still make doula care valuable of there is valuable and something that people should, should buy into. And my expertise is valuable and I should be paid for it, but also let's try to find some creative ways that we can make it more accessible to people within our community, which is also why my scholarship program is called the choose what you pay program. So I know a lot of doulas do like half price or full price scholarships, but I really felt like we could make the scholarship fund just help more people if people were able to say how much they could reasonably pay for the services and then I kind of just fill in the gaps of whatever they can't pay I to pull from my scholarship fund instead of saying a half price or full price scholarship because some people who are getting a full price scholarship might be able to even just pay a hundred dollars you know and a hundred dollars is one a buy-in to saying I value these services and I'm going to respect your time and then two also a hundred dollars that are now still in the scholarship fund that can be used for the next person who can only pay a hundred dollars less than my fee can then now have dual care and then we're all set yeah that is so beautiful and I love I love it so much and yeah I just I didn't even I don't know I was gonna say I'd talk about it but I figured I'd wait closer to the end like I also have a business degree undergrad so it's really funny to meet another perinatal provider who's like, yes, with my business degree. Cause people are like, you have what you did. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to work on wall street. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's very interesting, but I do think it's a good perspective, especially yes. like since I have other people who are working for me and stuff. Uh, there is, yes. there, there is a way that like with business acumen that you can reach more people through like through marketing and and structure of your company of your organization and all those things because I think a lot of like I said dual workers go into the business with they have their own experiences that make them passionate about it and then they're trying to you you are self-employed when you're a doula and that's difficult to kind of build up that that business side and the websites and the marketing and all that stuff and so it actually has been extremely helpful to me to kind of have that that mindset going into working as a doula has been beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel, I found the same thing. I mean, certainly in social work school, we do not teach people how to build a private practice. We don't Mm. talk about marketing. We don't talk about any of that sort of thing, which I think is certainly a disservice um, to the students. And I could go on off on a tangent on that, but I won't. Um, Yeah. So knowing of course that every single birth in every situation is so vastly different. I was curious if there were any kind of common themes that you've noticed over your time as a doula or um, in trainings kind of 
the secrets of the doulas or things that we can kind of take away from your experiences? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of different things. So some of the things that we kind of already talked about a little bit, but I definitely want to hit on again is finding the right birth setting, birth setting and provider for you. So whether, you know, I think a lot of times there's this misconception that if you're going to give birth in a hospital, you have to um, just go along with certain policies and procedures or you're going, if you don't want those policies or procedures, you're going to be arguing at every, every moment to get those certain things. And especially, you know, we're in Kansas city, obviously it's a well-populated area. I know some people don't have access to lots of different types of care providers and lots of different, lots of different types of hospitals, but but I really do believe that if you are in a well-populated area with a, with a few hospitals as different options, that all those hospitals usually practice very differently and care providers within those hospitals practice very differently. I have been at some births where it's at the same exact hospital and one provider will be squatting on the floor, catching a baby for somebody who wants to be standing. And another OB in the same exact practice even is saying, no, there's no way to deliver a baby safely unless you're on your back with your feet in the stirrups. And so I really, I really do think that that can go a long way to not only having the birth experience that aligns with you, um, but also just not feeling like you have to be fighting at every moment because the last thing you want to be doing during the birth of your child is feeling like um, uh, emotionally burnt out from arguing and trying to force somebody into, into the, to support you in the way that you want to be supported. So really trying to find a hospital provider. I just, I just think it's literally, it has blown my mind as a doula, how differently some hospitals practice um, and what their, how much their policies differ from each other. So even just down the street from each other, um, one hospital will be saying, this is totally how we do everything. And this is, and this is exactly how you want it. And this is just how we do it. Standard practice. And another hospital thinks that what you want to do is absolutely ridiculous. So it's just very interesting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, gosh, you are so right. We could go off on a tangent about that as well. But I loved your wing of like, even in the same practice, two different providers are like, absolutely hop on up. And someone else is like, nope, can't do it. It's like, yeah, they're down the hall doing it right there. So that is yeah. good. It like, just all continues to come back to education. I mean, I just, we're not, especially in our country, we're not really given the opportunity to explore the education, like, what our options are. I mean, certainly Google exists, but like, we just don't know what we don't know and we don't know how to get there and how to ask. And so it's really helpful to have that kind of situation. And um, I'll talk about a few more things if you have the time. (laughs) time. Go ahead, please. Yes. (laughs) Um, So another big thing that I just see with my clients, especially um, just with the huge influx of social media and like education on birth through social media uh, is just overwhelm as to all of their options and everything available to them. So there's, so there's education is amazing, but then there's also just like the mindless consumption of birth information from people having all different types of births in all different places in the world and you know having all different types of experience and trauma dumping them on top of you yeah and so really the something that's so important in birth in pregnancy in parenting is having education but also having the ability to tap into our intuition and I think that and what aligns with us because just because somebody on social media said that this was the right thing for them doesn't mean that it's the right thing for you or somebody on social media said oh this is a horrible thing to happen doesn't mean that that was horrible for you that that's horrible for it to happen to you and so um you know I think that there's a lot of value in finding some really great books, childbirth education classes, trusted resources that you can find your childbirth education from. And then at some point trying to tune out some of all of that noise during pregnancy to be able to trust your, trust your intuition a little bit, take the education from the good sources, whether it's your doula, childbirth educator, um, your OB, your midwife, um, great classes online, um, books online, you know, books that you find and everything like that. Take that education, try to tune out a little bit of all that extra static and really be able to tap into the intuition of what aligns with you and how do you feel like you want to approach your birth, your pregnancy, your postpartum experience. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think that something hiring a doula can be great for that because it is somebody that kind of knows your values and how you're wanting to approach things that you can kind of be a sounding board off of and talk to these, talk with these things about, and then also um, get rough recommendations for books or things like that, that might align better with your, with your values and how you're kind of wanting to approach the experience. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else. Yes. Another, another thing, and we kind of touched on this a little bit is people being fearful of asking their provider questions, going against the grain at all. Um, I see this a lot with people who are like people pleasers or really, um, you know, maybe more introverted people. They're really afraid of like what the labor and delivery staff are going to think of them if they want to choose something else or if they sure. if they want something against hospital, hospital policy um, or just even asking questions they're nervous about. And I really want to voice people that your birth experience is maybe one, two, three, days of your life will you ever give birth you know depending on how many children you have it's a really like monumental event in your life uh that's really important to your mental health and to your experience and to your um relationship how the relationship starts off with your child and like all all those different types of things and for us working in the birth world it's a day of work. Like it's, you know, even if I have like the most difficult client or whatever, who's just like arguing with me at every turn or a labor and delivery nurse has, you might go home and be like, Oh, I had a really frustrating client today. Or I had a really frustrating patient today. And then they're probably going to forget about you and they're going to move on with their life because it was just like a a frustrating day at work. And so I always want to express that to people that, you know, you're, you need to make the decisions that are best for you and for your family, whether you think people are going to be annoyed or upset about them or anything like that, because birth is, it's like your wedding day. It's like this monumental life event that you plan for and you prepare for and that you can never really like go back and redo. And whether that birth experience ends up looking like what you wanted or not, again, I just want you to look back and feel like you did everything that you could to have felt confident in the decisions that you made. I, when you said that, that what came to mind, do you ever watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. Okay. Such a good show. When David is driving and Alexis says, um, other people don't think about you like you think about you. And that is a really good, I don't think that's quite the exact quote, but a good mantra generally, because I, I do think, I know, let me stop saying, I think I know that we do stop ourselves sometimes from doing things because we're concerned about the perception other people will have. And, um, and certainly, yes, you are going to find a frustrated, overworked, exhausted, hungry provider at some point who might say something sassy to you based on your requests. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can happen. And it's unfortunate, but also we're all human and we all, and also sometimes people are judgmental and not curious. So fine. Um, But taking that with you of like, right. And this is, I like what you said. It's another day of work. So that person does that. And they know those things that for you, again, unless you're having 20 kids, then even still 20 days of your life, are you giving birth? And yeah, I really, I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think it's important for us to have that conversation and really kind of start to internalize that. Like no one thinks about you. Like you think about you. You are the person who has to spend the rest of your life with this memory, with this experience, that person. Yeah. They're going to go badmouth you maybe to their fellow nursing staff or the doctor's going to go home and talk about it. Well, HIPAA, but still. Um, (laughs) Right. And yes. And that's not at all to, to villainize providers or anything like that. I think that a lot of times they're just, they were all human and sometimes we're tired or frustrated or we or we think that we have a better option for you that would make yes. you healthier or safer or something like that but in the end it is your experience and 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 you know and I never I never tell anybody to ever be rude to people because again we're all humans of like never be rude to your OB or your labor and delivery absolutely nurse. but sometimes people just w- won't even ask questions or state what they're wanting yes. because they're nervous about what they're going to think about them absolutely Yes. Uh, I love that. I'm I'm so glad I didn't, I'm so glad we got an opportunity to talk about that. And I hope people really think about that. Um, well, I just, I thank you so much for taking the time to come here and educate the group here on some things and maybe help clarify some questions or misconceptions that people might've had. Where can everyone find you? 
Yeah. So you can find me personally on Instagram or TikTok at the handle what a doula do. It's all one word, what a doula do. And I'm just educating on what a doula does and how that might look different than maybe what your perceptions are of a doula and um, how we can help you have a better birth experience. And I sprinkle in some little like mom content or mom yeah. tips here or there also. Yeah, of course. Um, we all, we then, all do. Sometimes we're like, isn't this a mental health blog? And I'm like, yes, but is it not, not mental health for me to talk about my daughter screaming? Is it not? <laughs> yes. And also you have to think, you know, lots of people are following you because they're parents also. Yes. So yes. they relate yes. with the content. Um, yes. And you can also find my website is blockbirths.com, B-L-O-C births.com. You know, yes. K just block with a C. Um, and you can find me and my team over there and learn more about kind of what we offer. Yes. Amazing. Now, Heidi, are you, I'm going to take a moment to plug something myself, which I never do. So yay. Are you going to climb out um, of the darkness with postpartum support international on July 1st? No, I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. I'm going to get ready. Tuck in. Cause yes. Well, who will send me the information? I absolutely will. And I'm, I, I absolutely will because so um, it's a it's a nationwide thing. People can come up with one in their own. You can host one yourself or get a group together um, and host your own and raise money for um, different foundations and charities that are related to perinatal causes. Um, so the Postpartum Support International PSI, um, follow them on Instagram as well. They are having their conference, their annual conference here um, in KC, uh, which is huge. And they are hosting kind of the official climb out of the darkness um, on July 1st at Washington Square Park in KC Mo. Um, It's free to sign up. It's for parents, caregivers, loved ones, support people. Um, Vendors will be there. There's a there's a walk walk as long as you want. Um, Some other special surprises, which have not been announced yet, but very exciting. So I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of it. Um, You can go, there's a Facebook, Climate of the Darkness 2023. Um, Certainly, if you go to PSI's website, all of that, um, uh, Instagram, all of that. So I'll put all of that in the show notes too, but I did. Yes, I wasn't aware, but I definitely would love to attend. So wanted to see you there, but also want to see everyone else. If you're in the KC area, please come on July 1st. If you're not, find one close to you, create your own, go team. Um, yeah. So I wanted to take a minute to plug that because this will definitely, this episode will drop before July 1st. So Love thanks it. again for Yay. coming and spending some time and educating the team and everyone else out there. Be curious, not judgmental. Goodbye. If spending time with the perinatal podcast is something you value and enjoy, it would mean so much if you could write a review of the show on your apps. And don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification when new content is posted. Take a moment to leave a five-star rating, too. Fresh content is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your content. And you tuning in every episode is what helps keep us going. Follow me at Therapy by Meg on Instagram, and you can find more content by searching the hashtag The Perinatal Podcast. The Perinatal Podcast with Meg Duke is executive produced by David Presley and produced by Meg Duke. Our theme song was written and performed by Antoine McDuffie.